0: Hey Zach, can you do me a favor? Can you read out some of those reactions right now? Yeah. What? Like, yes, read them.
2: What? Okay. I didn't know if you were talking about later in the show. All right. Why would um, I?
0: Why would I prep you for something later in the show? That's not how this works. I don't. I this isn't. This like, isn't. Oh, ed-
2: later on, can you read those for me? I'll read them read. now. Please stop right. talking. Four star edge commit Lamont Green Jr. reacts to Florida State's forty five three win over Miami. He says, "We beat them boys down." Three star receiver commit, Darren Goldie Lawrence. Kind of figured it would go that way. Um, Three star offensive lineman, Christopher Otto, out of Key West. It was a crazy win. I wasn't expecting a blowout win like that. And then four star 2024 running back, Davion Goss, who was in attendance um, in Miami's recruiting section for the game, he said, It got ugly quick. (laughs) They did a great job with their running backs. Um, My favorite reaction. 2024 four-star FSU defensive back commit. C.J. Hurd, good teams beat the shit out of bad teams.
0: Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Knee, Zach Glossine, gentlemen that did indeed get ugly quickly. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen, I've never seen Chris Nese so happy in a press box before. I'm not going to lie. You I
1: know, thought that game had potential of being a blowout, but by blowout, I mean like, you know, 17 to 20 points. The fact that it was double that surprised me.
0: So FSU went down to Miami gardens, handled the rival Miami hurricanes, 45 to three. Uh, we I mean, we're going to evaluate the game a little bit here. This is more big picture, more just kind of enjoying what we what we saw over the weekend because it was it was a boat race. I mean, it was it was something to behold to see that crowd thin out to what it would normally look like. I guess in the second half, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Zach, you were there as a fan which is a different vantage point for you so please fill us in on on what that experience was like
2: yeah it was pretty cool um you know i think they pump a little bit of noise into that stadium but that, no, first, that first that first drive was pretty uh loud honestly for fsu um you know the, the fans were all into it miami miami fans showed up believe it or not it wasn't it wasn't 50-50 fsu fans it was maybe in my estimation like 70-30 at best um, obviously that changed as the, as the game went on, but to start, maybe fans showed up, um, for their team, their team did not deliver. Um, but, but yeah, th- that first drive was really loud after that pokey touchdown. It wasn't it, that, that noise did not sustain, um, uh, for much longer.
0: <laughs> it, it did not, but by, by halftime, it was 31 to three and, uh, fans were starting to trickle out of the stadium in the second quarter a lot of them did not return for the second half, and it just continued to be a a dominant effort for Florida State. The Seminoles outgained Miami 454 yards to 188. They were perfect in the red zone, six to six. That's been a bugaboo for FSU this season. Uh, super efficient on third downs, six of eleven. Penalties kept that clean, four four penalties for 40 yards, whereas Miami was nine penalties for 72 yards. FSU had 22 first down to Miami's 13. FSU averaged a robust seven yards per play. Miami, 3.6 yards per play, so you almost doubled them up there. Every single statistical category is going to indicate a level of domination for Florida State because it was indeed a level of domination. Chris, what about that dominant performance? I, I, there's a lot to to unpack with it, but what can you boil it down to like that stood out to you? What was the most impressive aspect of what Florida State went and did to Miami
1: Uh, Offensively, it was explosive plays. FSU had 13 of them on the day. You know, they kind of set the tone with the 56-yard touchdown of Pokey Wilson there out of the gate. But then they had several others. Toe Philly 65-yarder late in the game. Benson had a 25-yard catch. On the ground, they also had numerous 20-yard explosive runs. They're one of the best teams in the country at doing that. Jordan Travis, super efficient. Offense just clicked. I thought the O-line kicked ass and took names at the line of scrimmage. It was enjoyable to see them push around the opponent and open up big holes and kind of uh, enforce their will, do what they wanted to. And, and that's decent D-line, especially from a talent standpoint there at Miami that they did that to. And then defensively, I mean, Miami's a mess on uh, their offensive side of the ball. And the whole way they managed their quarterbacks was idiotic in that game, to put it nicely. But, like, to do what FSU did against an o- passing offense that had been capable for the most part prior to last week with Virginia – was really impressive. FSU basically turned them into a one-dimensional offense that produced two drives of any substance on the day. The first one they scored a field goal on, a one where to get down into the red zone, and FSU ends up forcing a fumble and taking it away and preventing any more points from going on to the board. It And, you know, that's two of the three phases of the game. The other phase was excellent, too. Special teams was really good. Ryan hits a 40-plus yard field goal, perfect on extra points. FSU 7 not 3 for most of the day, which was a good thing. And then punting-wise, you know, they have the two down inside the three-yard line. Alex did his Mm -hmm. job very well in those cases. And, you know, Micah didn't really get loose on a punt return. He did field them all cleanly. I think he had one for about six yards, if I recall correctly. And because Miami's incapable of finding the ends, there weren't a whole lot of kickoff returns to worry about.
0: The coverage on uh, on the two punts was extraordinary as well. I mean, perfect ball placement. Ontario Wilson going and catching it cleanly at the three. And then Jamie Robinson on the first one, getting in front of it for at the two, just uh, remarkably well done by some of your better players too. I, I think that's a, a look at the larger uh, culture of, of this program. You have you have important pieces, starters buying in and contributing on special teams in areas that, and they shows up on the stats sheet. But you don't. Jamie Robinson doesn't get a doesn't get a stat necessarily for for fielding that that punt. As uh, is mentioned in the play by play. Uh, but him and Pokey, great job there, Chris. You mentioned the quarterback rotation by Miami. They use three. You know the old adage when you have when you have three, you definitely don't have one. Uh, the whole Tyler Van Dyke usage, and I hate to see like someone get hurt in that capacity, just throwing the ball. Uh, shoulder goes out on him. The fact they put him back in the game, like man, if I am an opposing coach of of Miami, I'm saying well, I'm talking to recruits and say, what is this guy doing? two to players to not protect them from themselves or to put them in harm's way like that. And I thought that was borderline negligent. And I don't know if that's been talked about a lot. Uh, backing up for a second, you mentioned a ton of big plays, a lot of explosives, both sides of the ball. Defense was making big plays, uh, Greedy Vance interception, Jamie Robinson all over the place. I think They had three sacks, uh, offensively diving that a little bit. Zach, if you had just one, just one big play that stood out to you, your favorite play of the day, uh, what was it?
2: Man, um, this is between two for me. The pokey touchdown, just because it kind of just ended all of Miami's confidence, the fans' energy early in the game. But that Jamie uh, TFL or sack um, on Jakuri Curry uh, near the goal line and where mm-hmm. he just basically threw him down to the ground was just so impressive. And it just kind of showed how that game went for Miami. Um, you know, they were driving down. That play happens, and then the the fumbled snap um, goes all the way back, and, and FSU recovers. So, you know, that part of the game was was, was definitely enjoyable, but the pokey touchdown was just so huge to kind of have let FSU know that they, that they should have confidence in this game and that their offense was going to be clicking all day. It's my that was part of um, the
1: game wasn't explosive. It was Trey Benson seven yards out deciding just to not go down, drive his feet take Miami the to the goal line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, that to me is just, that's how rivalry game should be played. Uh, that play felt like he wasn't looking at the scoreboard. You know, you're, you're up several touchdowns. So you really need to keep driving your feet, driving a pile, worrying about an extra yard or two. Yeah, he did. And he did it. And I don't know. I think that's uh that's kind of a culture moment to me. And then obviously greedy's pick was huge because it kind of, again, deflated the balloon completely for Miami who just could not, you know, Miami kept getting hit with haymakers and Miami couldn't even throw a jab.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was so many deflating moments um, to where you just kind of took the wind out of, out of Miami's sails there. And, and the first play that Zach mentioned, the Ontario Wilson deep shot. I mean, just uh, pokey had a really good week of practice. And that was cool to see is that, you know, Johnny Wilson two weeks ago had a good week of practice and turned that into a big game against Georgia tech. Pokey had an excellent Wednesday practice uh, specifically, And he just flies off the line of scrimmage there, gets open one-on-one. Jordan Travis, who finishes with – here's the stat line. He was 10-12 to for 202 yards, three touchdowns. So three touchdowns on just 10 completions. He did have an interception. Interesting to kind of hear what happened with that, but that's a passer rating of 290, 290 290.6. He's top 20 in the country in passer rating, just having a great season. But he delivers a really nice ball to Pokey Wilson who as he got free behind the secondary. That was a point that we were talking about all week was that Miami – Vulnerable to big passing plays, a lot of miscommunication of the back end with the safeties. FSU went right after them there touchdown, uh, and then Miami goes and scores, and then you have the very next drive where then you start to really like assert yourself on the ground. Chris, you mentioned Trey Benson, fifteen rushing attempts, 128 yards, two touchdowns, just running so authoritatively as he's done all season. Dude, I think he's he just keeps getting better. Like, is he looking more and more comfortable to you? Because that that's that seems to be happening right in front of us, where he's gone from. Uh, a one-trick pony kind of an explosive guy to potentially uh, a a
1: complete back i think trey is well served when he gets a healthy amount of reps in a row when he's able to kind of get a rhythm get a feel for it he's just very good Uh, he's always going to break tackles he runs really hard he's got good speed he's got all the qualities and traits he want in that position he's also a capable receiver in a room of a lot of good receiving backs um but he just when he gets into a rhythm and he's kind of feeling it and the juices are flowing, he he's he's a dump truck with good speed and he likes hitting people and he likes finishing runs, and it's fun as hell to watch. And I, I think there was a little chip on his shoulder for him facing his former coach and everything that that involved yes or, or on Saturday, but uh, no, I I enjoyed the heck out of watching Trey Benson run the football. fsu has got a lot of talented backs. Trey Benson is my favorite back to watch on this football team.
0: Were you guys at all surprised? just how FSU's offensive line was able to carve out as much space as it did consistently. Like, like the stat sheet doesn't really show. I mean, the yard per carry was solid. It was 4.7, but what they did with, with Trey Benson and even a few plays for Lawrence to where if he has like makes a cutback once or twice, like his, he, he houses a couple of them. Um, I just, I, I wasn't sure that was the one area that concerned me going into the game offensively for Florida state was whether the offensive line could consistently create space and,
1: and damn it, man, they, they did. So they did it against LSU who is very good, very capable de- defensive line. So I felt like, yes, they could, but then you have the wake game where they struggled and had bad moments. And I think Miami does have a talented defensive line, you know, Jafari Harvey, uh, Leonard in the middle there is a talented guy. Mesador is another one. They have a few others in that group who are good football players. So, I thought Miami could cause some havoc at the point of attack the way FSU took it to them. I think one lends itself to they're feeling somewhat healthy as you can be at this point, nine games into a season. And, uh, I thought Darius Washington hats off, played a heck of a game. He's a guy who struggled mightily in that wake game and he's kind of bounced back and been very good in these last two performances as he's filled in for jazz. Um, but in general, I thought the guards were excellent. I thought Meech and Dylan both did a great job getting a push, being mean, being physical, opening holes, turning guys, letting guys run off their backsides and have big gains. Marie Smith played another very good game, uh, probably a little inspired being in his hometown backyard, playing a ball game down there. And then, you know, Robert Scott had kind of the most up and down day of anybody on that line. But as a unit, they just they brought it and they did a good job. And the receivers also, to their credit, blocked their asses off in that game which, you know, in a game where FSU only threw, what, about 16 passes total on the evening, a few with Tate, obviously, what Jordan did, it, it's impressive that receivers stay as engaged as they do to lock up and drive people and just be downright rude to them working down the field. And I don't know. I, again, I know we're on this, on this incredible emotional high of a 45-3 to victory over an in-state rival, but the DNA and culture of this program, it becomes more and more evident with each passing game. In moments like that where you see them kind of impose a will, something that Alex Atkins banged the drum on very hard a few weeks ago, it's a really good sign. It's it's a sign of growth, a sign of progression. And they did it against a defensive unit that, well, they kind of quit. They are capable.
0: So Chris mentioned culture. And before we get to the defense, let's just take a step back and reflect on some of the growth of this program culturally from where they were two years ago going down to Miami and losing by 42 points and you flip that script entirely to go and win by 42 is impressive. And this is Miami's, you know, fully committed investing. They're talking about a culture flip and and whatnot, but like there's schematically uh, coaching X's and O's like FSU has guys to where they, they don't have to coach with a hand behind their back. We said that after the LSU game, and this was a perfect example of one coaching staff. I think pencil whipping another, frankly, I mean, you're able to make Leonard Taylor irrelevant for the entire course of a game. And you're able to continually just change up the the gaps and, and get running backs into space and, you know, not a, not a more talented offensive line than the, the Miami defense line, but you're just put them in better positions and, and that allowed FSU's offensive line to get going. And that's, that's impressive. And, and as we talk about the culture of Alex Akid's offensive line and then Back up, talk about this entire offense, and then boom, this entire team. When they were installing the game plan this week, fellas, like, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, watching that practice, like, I think that they think they can run right at Miami. And just watching how calm Alex Ackman was with his offensive line this week businesslike, but calm uh, and having fun and loose. And then seeing Mike Norvell, you know, when, when you can tell Mike does not hide displeasure when the offense isn't installing plays to his, uh, his preference. But in this case this week, like there was a lot of just shaking his head, looking at the the TV screen that shows the replays of plays. And like, he'll be like, Oh, maybe a little bit more or kind of wince a little bit. And like, Oh, maybe we're just often on this track or, or this throw, but overall it was just, he was super pleased with the attention to details, the execution and, With that in mind, Chris, you asked him, you asked Norvell about the approach that this team took in the week of practice. I think during the week we noticed it, and in hindsight, it seems even more obvious that that Norvell was extremely confident with what this team was going to do, and and that was go down to Miami and handle business.
1: Yeah, I think FSU is showing signs of continued building blocks. Um, You know, they are now capable of blowing out teams. They've done it two weeks in a row. And I think the fact that they did in a rivalry game is an excellent sign. And, you know, I think everybody knew Miami could get blown out, but FSU went and did it. And as you're a program that's evolving and learning and getting better and trying to take those next steps, you got to go do the things you're capable of doing. And I forget exactly how Norvell termed it, but I asked him essentially like, did you expect this? And he's like, yeah, I've been telling them they can do this. And they went and did it. The key for FSU now is to continue to building those blocks. But, They are a good football team that is becoming a better football team. And when they're more efficient in the areas where they've kind of hamstrung themselves at times this year, red zone scoring, things of that sort, some uh, penalties, only four for 40 in this game for FSU. They didn't do anything to damage themselves there. When they don't do bad things to themselves and they're efficient and they're good, they're pretty damn good. Like FSU could easily be a one-loss football team. If they had played their most efficient version of themselves consistently, heck, they probably have a chance of winning every game they play. But they did lose three. I think they've learned from those losses, and we're starting to see them take the next step. And the chance of going five and zero here down the backstretch is a reality. And it, again, it's building blocks. They got to go to Syracuse now and not have a hangover. Syracuse can be a kind of sleepy place to a degree, especially right now with Syracuse reeling a bit and struggling. Then they have the Louisiana game at home. Obviously, you just got to handle what you got to handle there. They're a sub-500 team right now. I think they're 4-5. and And then you obviously wrap up with Florida on a Friday at-home rivalry game. Gators have a dangerous, capable quarterback, but a team that's not particularly good. And at times, if you want to challenge their defense, they don't look like they really want to play it. Anybody that watched the first half of the Texas A&M game knows what I'm talking about. So FSU has a chance here to just kind of keep proving to themselves how good they can be and really setting the tone for how they're going to go into an offseason.
0: One exciting development as we talk about that final stretch for Florida State, to me, is the play of the defense and and kind of what it's starting to look like with all its pieces in place. Maybe not everyone at 100%, but far healthier than you've been since maybe week one or week two of the season. And I think well, for context, yes, Georgia Tech's offense, awful. Miami's offense, awful. That allows the defense to play fast, play physically. But the fact that you're handling your business and, and taking care of what you're supposed to do for the most part I think that's super encouraging. Zach mentioned that his favorite play, or one of his two favorite plays of the game was the Jamie Robinson tackle for loss uh in the red zone. Uh, Jamie Robinson is starting to me to play at a different level. FSU is freeing him up to do things a little differently. He's becoming more impactful. But he's playing faster. Uh Zach, what were your thoughts on on the defense on Jamie? I guess what stood out to you uh, about watching that side of the ball against Miami. And I guess, what are the next steps for it in this final stretch of the, of the regular season?
2: Yeah, I want to start on the D-line. I just think having Fabo back brings a presence on the inside that FSU didn't have um, prior to his injury. Um, and I think that opens things up for both you know the ends, the other D-tackle, like Coop, um, and also the people behind him. I think the linebackers are able to play more freely, um, are able to run through gaps easier. And I think the defensive backs... You know, obviously, with Fabo in there, uh, it's pretty clear that they're getting more pressure. Um, that's, that alleviates stuff uh, on the back end for FSU and their defense. and allows a guy like Jamie Robinson to play more free, come downhill more, which he's, we know he's really good at. Um, and, and what he excels at the most is being a physical presence um, in that defensive backfield. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that the unit just looks so much better. Um now, even against these these bad offenses like like Georgia Tech and Miami, um, it's pretty clear that they're just playing more as a cohesive group. There aren't as many missed assignments. Um, there are some. Don't get me wrong. They still need to clean some things up. Um, but but I, I just think having Fabo back and having a guy like Verse, you know, continue to to battle back from his you know early season injury um, is just helping this this defense so much.
1: I thought Pat Payton was a dude on Saturday. Um, maybe the best player per snap for FSU out there. The compliment to Jamie, who played a hell of a game, seven tackles. He played a ton of snaps. He played almost 50. Most players on defense, an interesting thing, FSU's kind of gotten into here the last couple weeks, with having more depth and more health. A lot of guys playing 20 to 30 snaps. There's a mm-hmm. whole lot of sharing of duties right now, which isn't a bad thing. It keeps you fresher, allows you to play, probably a little bit faster. Definitely have something in the tank for the fourth quarter, an area where FSU struggled earlier this year when they started getting thin because of injuries. Another guy that I would definitely bring up is Tatum Bethune. I thought he was awesome in the game. He described himself as having a tough week. I'll leave it at that. But it was impressive to watch him play, what he did in his hometown. Definitely some emotions running through his body for that one. You know, Greedy Vance goes and gets the takeaway. a takeaway. A.C. Thomas gets a late takeaway because Miami's acting like idiots throwing the ball down six touchdowns with a minute left in the game. Um, you know, a couple fumbles there in the game that FSU cleaned up. The Pat Payton force fumble, excellent. Didn't realize in real time how well he did with hand placement to swat that ball. Malcolm Murray goes and gets it, finds a prize in his backyard if it's hometown. And then you have Jared Verse cleaning up yellow a Curry Brown laid it on the ground on a really crappy snap. So FSU goes and gets four takeaways, something they've struggled so mightily to do all year. When you're getting four takeaways, I think they scored 14 points off of those takeaways. You're going to win football games most times turnover margin is one of the most important things that you can be involved in, in the sense of determining whether you're going to win or lose games. If you give it away a lot and don't take it away a lot, you're probably going to lose. If you take it away a lot and don't give it away a lot, you're probably going to win. It's not a real difficult formula. FSU is a much better team when they're getting to the ball. I thought Vance's interception, well, crappy throw by Jake Garcia, was very impressive because he very much kind of fooled him with some eye candy and got to that spot pretty quick to be in position to make that pick.
0: The defense playing fast is a really nice development in this backstretch. We'll see what happens with Syracuse and Garrett Schrader. I'm not sure what his availability is going to be. He missed the pit game. Dino Babers talks to the media at what, Chris, 11 today? 11 a.m.
1: today. I think he'll be kind of coy about it again. Um, Even if Schrader plays, it seems like he's just had – I don't know if that kid's going to get healthy in the back half of the season. And -hmm. that's kind of an overriding theme for Syracuse of injuries are piling
0: up know yeah, and and FSU's had a nice stretch well nice is probably not the right word it, a fortunate stretch where it's opposing its opponents quarterbacks have not been healthy Georgia Tech Miami now Syracuse and to me it's just kind of this reminder of like it all kind of evens out it all comes out in the wash it all evens out eventually because florida state dealt with its injuries earlier in the year and in a big chunk there and it was at the worst possible timing going into the toughest stretch of the season of october wake nc state and Clemson. so fsu uh, knock on wood is getting healthy at the right time we indicated that last week felt that's was what was happening and we're starting to see that and some other teams late in the season are are dealing with their rash of injuries and it's just to kind of happens that way sometimes and, and fsu's kind of caught that break here in the back half of the schedule chris mentioned a earlier about the syracuse game going up there i think it's a six and a half point favorite for florida state it opened it moved to seven i guess whatever intel happens with garrett schrader this week will, will probably have a pretty profound uh, impact on that line one area to note uh, there's a chris you're gonna like this there's a storm coming uh, to florida I think it's a tropical storm. I'm not sure if that's going to impact travel plans for Florida State. Uh, Seminole EQ uh, put out what was it, Zach? That they're going to leave a day early. I'm assuming that's because of
2: potential storm. Didn't say that. I was just assuming because it's a like farther trip. I don't know.
0: Oh, maybe not. I mean, I think they maybe want to get out of Dodge because the storm's supposed to track through the state of
1: Florida. I don't know. I didn't even
2: right. know it was like. Yeah, I, I had no
1: clue there was something coming. I I got home. Recorded a basketball podcast last night, watched Three Sunday and night me football, watched Sunday night football, did NFL Knowles, went to bed, woke up, did a bunch of work, doing this, gonna take a shower, go to FSU. I might see my oh, I won't see Monday night football. I have a basketball game tonight. So yeah, I'm I'm never gonna see TV again. The storm might land here. I'll just think it's a normal rain shower. Who knows?
0: Don't I'll worry. I will up, I will update you every hour on the hour. Don't worry about that, dude. Uh, so let's see. That was kind of the minutia of the Syracuse game. Big picture, as we're starting to wrap up the podcast here, this is a big game for Florida State. It's another big game because you're starting to see this team show signs of of handling its business. I mentioned that that phrase a few times in this podcast, but I think it's very apt. I think it's very appropriate for where this this program is potentially headed. You know, Georgia Tech wasn't pretty in the first half, or excuse me, the first quarter, but FSU found a way, handled its business, did what it was supposed to do. Uh, against a struggling opponent Uh, against Miami like things snowballed quickly and you're totally fine with that like that it worked out beautifully I think Florida State would have handled Miami uh, no matter what based on what the offensive line was doing for that game I think they would have won comfortably by double digits but Miami started gifting you stuff and, and you took advantage of it and that's to Chris's point earlier that's what good teams do so going up to Syracuse again as this program develops as we talk about the climb can Florida State Go to a sleepy Syracuse environment. Potentially, it'll be 8 p.m. Syracuse is six and three, but but starting to starting to fade late in the season. as injuries are, are ramping up here. Garrett Williams is out for the season. Star cornerback. We mentioned
2: three Garrett's straight losses. Three,
0: three straight losses. Yeah, they're they're fading and they're fading fast. Uh, it was a little smoke and mirrors early in the year, but again, the injuries. Uh, can you go up there and take care of what you're supposed to take care of with? only two games after that remaining in Florida looming as a really big game for this program. And that's what I'm interested to see, but we'll see how mature this group is. And, and I think there's good signs of it. We're talking about this coming off of a really fun win. So all optimistic right now, but this is another big game for Florida state to go ahead and, and prove that it is moving in the right direction and, and to kind of put an exclamation point on, on a very, I guess, winnable stretch of the season, and set you up for, for something with, with a lot of meaning and substance against Florida. Yeah.
1: And I I dived a little bit into Syracuse last night as I started, you know, kicking the tires on the two, four, seven for it run defense 62nd in the country, 141.1 yards per game. FSU's had four straight games of 200 or more rushing yards. They've done that five times on the year. I think there's an excellent opportunity for FSU to go up there and once again, run the ball very effectively uh, on the flip side, at Syracuse. Real, real quick
0: on six. that, we think. Sorry, on, with that in mind, uh, we think Trayshawn Ward will probably be available for yeah, Syracuse he was very depending close on Saturday. He was. I think he had a little bit of setback late in the week, uh, where that that shoulder area was just bothering him a little bit, and he was he was dressed out. I think he probably would have been an emergency type of type of deal for Florida State, but yeah. So, anyways, about the run game, you might get your what was your leading rusher back, which would be nice.
1: Yeah, and Syracuse is only allowing 165.8 through the year, which is sixth in the country. I still think FSC is going to have a shot of throwing on them, especially with the fact that Garrett Williams is no longer there because Garrett's probably the most underappreciated corner in the ACC. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that, that injury is is significant and not talked about as much as the Garrett Schrader one because one's a quarterback, but that, that with the two Garretts being injured, that's, that's a significant one as well. So we'll get more into Syracuse talk later in the week, but really just reflective on this Miami win. It was a lot of fun to go down there and cover. It. I had fun driving uh, to and from with with Chris and Zach. No Falk in the road episode. Chris refused to to do so. I tried Everyone to thank
2: Chris. Everyone thank Chris. Thank
0: you.
2: You're welcome, Zach folks. I love you. The Zach people's champ
0: in the road. I tried to see how good of a mood he was in on Sunday morning to see if I could press him to do it, and he wasn't quite there. He was he was elated, but he wasn't quite Falk in the road.
1: 9.89, but not quite a 10 buddy. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else I really want to get into for this Miami game. Like it was it was just it was domination, it was a ton of fun. did uh, it
1: remind you more of Willie 2018 or Willie 2019?
0: Willie well, 2018. Well, okay. So are we talking about the actual game?
1: Like, just all of it, just all of it, like taking oh. it in, watching Miami, how dysfunctional they were. Penalties, unorganized, yeah, 20. coming out me of of timeouts being bad, mismanaging quarterbacks, maybe having some hydration issues. I'm not sure. Maybe that happened. Pumping in noise, just idiocy. I mean, they're they're a mess. Congrats, Miami. You're a yeah. Mess. That
0: that is um. To answer your question, yes, it reminded me of all of it. There are some very, uh, if you're a Miami fan, some unsettling similarities. A lot of the talking point for Miami after the game is talking about culture about flipping the roster over and man, like we've covered that before we've covered, we've covered a roster flip that was done poorly under Willie Taggart. Like he, he didn't really move things out. And we, and we covered one with Mike Norvell that I think has gone pretty well, not perfect, but they cleaned house quickly when they had to the issue though. And yes, getting players who are bought in, getting your players is going to be important. The issue to me to my, about Miami is I don't think they're well coached. Like that's not a that's not a culture thing. Like everything that you alluded to, Chris. Like that's just they're they're. I don't think they're a well coached team, and I don't know if that's going to change with getting. I mean, yes, getting better players is going to help. Obviously, it's uh, it's Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's, but can't get plays in. Leonard Taylor How man-
1: usage was awful. Will Mallory's Mallory Mallory yes was awful was Will was Will Mallory targeted. I, not he, that I know, not of. One time. he did have a I, tackle on the interception by FSU. Good hustle <laughs> on his part. That's guard. that's good. Um, yeah, man, like
0: uh, Miami just didn't have counter. Uh, Mike Norvell pencil whipped Mario Cristobal, and it not even particularly close in my mind. And, and you remember
2: how we were talking about the the talent uh, differential between FSU and Clemson a few weeks ago? Hmm. Miami's ahead of FSU in in talent on the the the, the talent calculator on 24-7 sport yeah. um, both Miami and UNCR, but you know everyone's kind of making the point well Miami you know it's it's a talent issue at Miami no Miami has more talent than FSU does on paper FSU's just utilizing their talent at a better uh, rate
0: who's their safety James Williams, James Williams
2: right the the Tyler Van Dyke's gotten worse yeah
0: so so yeah I was talking to someone who covered the team who covers the team, and they said that James Williams is unrecognizable compared to what he was a year ago. Chris mentioned Tyler Van Dyke. Like that's the most glaring of all. Like the fact that you uncovered this guy, turned him into something last year that was like, oh, potential first round quality, like legitimately people were done as a Heisman Trophy contender, and now you're basically forcing that kid to to transfer. Like that's what's going to happen. Like there's no way he comes back for that shit show. Like you you have forced you have broken something beautiful. If you're Miami and if you're a Florida state fan, you sit back and just kind of Jerry Seinfeld popcorn moment. Just enjoy it because you We've lived that there. life a few years ago. <laughs> yes. And you're, I think you're out of it. I think, well, you're certainly out of that. I think you're moving your way back to something that is sustainable and enjoyable. Uh, if you, if you go ahead and handle your business again, that's going to be the name of this podcast is handling the business.
1: Miami um, yeah. is, is going to be a really interesting case study of, how nil and recruiting at an extremely high level impacts a program that currently is quite out of sorts it seems
0: yeah i had someone ask me we'll wrap up here in a minute i have one question for zach and then and then we'll get out but i i did have someone ask me yesterday uh, basically the balance of how like it does does on-field record really matter in the nil era or does it matter as much as it did
1: five years ago
0: I think it's so, an interesting I, talking point, and, and there's going to be a balance here. I'll throw this to you, Chris. because I do think it's interesting, Tom. Pack with Miami's. I think Miami,
1: from an NIL perspective, is an extreme case. Uh, they're super invested in NIL. You know, I'm not throwing any accusations out there that aren't well known, not published. Weeks. Right. I mean, they're in the NIL game as good as anybody in the country. So, like, you know, I I don't think they're the norm to answer that question i think they're the extreme case where it gets interesting if miami has success somehow flipping it quickly because they just do acquire so much good talent and a lot of it's via financially and it turns around then other teams are going to do it anybody that can afford to do it or has enough of an individual associated with the program who's willing to do it they're going to go and do that because it works for them they're going to do it It's, it's a game of emulation but it's going to be interesting because they are the case study of it. I mean, there's a few others. Texas is super invested in NIL game. You know, they're working USC. to turn that thing around. USC, yeah. So there's some others that we can keep an eye on. But it's a select group. There's
2: maybe I think total is a good programs. one to keep an eye on. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. they're not some elite one. team, but they have elite NIL right now.
1: There's yeah, a so lot like of Adidas. Uh, and, it's, you're it's talking about ten percent of college there? programs.
2: No, I don't think he's
1: really involved
0: anymore. I I would be interested in digging around On that with NIL stuff I'm not, well we'll see I don't want to say anything else
1: Um, But yes But 10% of college programs are basically Doing what Miami's trying to do It's going to be interesting to watch that group Versus a majority of the rest Who are less invested in NIL And obviously varying degrees Of how they're going about building a program FSU is a program that's trying to build With some NIL impact a great deal of development trying to uncover dudes that they think are good and win some high-level battles and continue to improve yourself in winning high-level battles. We've seen a progressive improvement for FSU in that regard, but it has to continue as they try to take the next step as a program.
0: It feels a little a little bit like like major league baseball with the the uncapped you know, salary cap. And there and there's going to be well-run programs, organizations that that do more with less. And there's going to be Programs that do, wait, more with less? Yes, this is going to do less with more. And like the, the New York Mets, I know they've figured out uh, somewhat recently, but a long time just like spending a ton and not getting a ton of, of results because of it. And so that that's going to be interesting to follow. Uh, recruiting notes real quick. Uh, Cedric Baxter was reported by a different outlet as being in attendance for the game as a Miami unofficial visit. I don't think that happened. Uh, Jalen Brown was in attendance, Zach, with the four-star wide receiver. He was as a fan, but who did he sit with?
2: He sat with Boots, who is Lamont Green, Jr., a Florida State edge commit.
0: That's interesting. So that that's solid. Anything else real quick on recruiting before we get out of here?
2: Yeah, Florida State had a few targets that were at the game um, in Miami's recruiting section. A uh, few to note, um, Jakeem Jackson's a Florida commit that FSU's keeping tabs on. Uh, he was a surprise visitor for Miami at the game, uh, top 247 cornerback Um, top 247 defensive lineman Ruben Bain was there on an unofficial visit Um, he's a he's a guy that's really tied into Miami he has a lot of connections to their staff Um, their school that's really involved in that recruitment Louisville is also in there Auburn um, that's a TBD you know kind of based on what happens with their um, you know upcoming coaching hire Uh, and then Damari Brown is a top two four seven defensive back who's on on, or on an official visit to Miami over the weekend obviously it was really great to have those guys there for FSU to show out in front of them you know we'll see what the recruiting impact is I haven't been able to catch up with either of those guys Ruben sent me a a post-game reaction uh, of the game and he basically said it was a really nice game for FSU and they played really well defensively I like Chris jamming out here um Yes, guys can't see it, obviously. I'm dist-
0: not distracting at all for you as you're trying to uh, no, no talk never. about like 15 hey, things hey, at once. The best
1: persists through the toughest of situations. I'm just trying to get Zach better. He's trying to make you
0: me. climb, Zach. You know, how, how you fine. handle anything is how you.
1: Wait, I don't know. I
2: don't okay, Norvell.
1: How you handle anything is how you handle everything. You're really a
2: Dollar Tree, Norvell. Um, all right. Speaking Michael of Dollar Davis Tree, there, oh, okay. 247 oh, okay. receiver, committed to Wake Forest. FSU is still keeping tabs there. I think he could make it back to campus later this season um, as, as FSU might try and make a late move for him. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of him. Um, and then another court or another commit for Miami that was there is Emery Williams, um, who FSU has been involved with. Um, and and he was in attendance for the game. Some 2024 names to note: Charles Lester, uh, Dylan Stevenson, Fred Gaskin, uh, five-star receiver combo, Jeremiah Smith and just, Je- there's Josiah Tr- Trader, who are both at Shamnad madonna High School. Um, th- those are the main guys I would know uh, that were on Miami's visitor list at the game and who could, you know, obviously be impacted. We'll try and get up with, with a lot of those guys this week um, and kind of see where their recruitment stands after this game.
1: Zach, you really did a great job there. That You hit every single kick, despite me standing in front of you, yelling at you, shooting you with a water gun, throwing my hat at you. You nailed them all. I'm proud of you, buddy.
2: Thank when you, Christopher.
1: When I was a long snapper in high school, my coach would stand by
0: me and pull my leg hair and and say, I'm going to pull your scrotum sack next, which maybe in hindsight, probably not appropriate to do to a teenager. What in the and world? And that's a
1: great ending point. Remember, No, wait, Jenkins wait, 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 long wait. wait, wait one more thing. Oh, one more okay,
0: thing. One more thing. Sorry. Sorry, Colin. We, you have by to the Turner group? A, we have to give a shout out to the Turner <laughs> Group, our sponsor of Byers unknown segment. We didn't do any Byers unknown, but I do have Byers to Know to get out of here. The Turner Group. Uh, Your stop for all realty needs. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in Florida, especially in central Florida, where he's based out of, uh, they are a top notch group. Colin and Amy are a husband and wife team that are FSU grads and they work extremely hard. He was, he was out there trying to try to make deals on Saturday before the game. And uh, I think he was able to get home in time to watch that ass kicking. So if you are interested, if you're looking to just get an idea of what the housing market's like right now in your area, Colin can help. Give him a call at 407-403-8546 or email him at com. Bye or Sunone, Zach, as we get out of here. Chia pets.
2: Sinon. I don't like them. Bye,
1: buddy. They teach you patience and appreciation.
2: Yeah, patience to throw them out after a week. That's what you told me to do after they grow. After the uh, so, if you buy fifty-two
1: growing. in a year, you have one for every week.
2: Zach, your That's hair looks like a money. chia pet right now. That's when a are we lot gonna of waste the money? That's true, we, Brendan. When, thank when,
0: you. when are we gonna get this resolved? This is this uh, week. Okay, you're a professional now. You're getting paid to do this. Uh, don't look like ass.
2: Thank you. You're so nice. Sorry, that was too far. I'm gonna That's end your it excuse.
0: now.
2: What? Ooh. NCIS Monday. NCIS! Here's what we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases.
1: Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals.
2: All new criminals.
1: Violent island got here. Locked in
2: paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges?
0: Just one. Murder.
2: New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.